Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and read. Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. Oh, classic, classic. Now, uh, wrong way, Lou Rufino, uh, will we see him hanging himself on the stage? You know? Come on, that's, right, am I right or wrong? Right, right, am I right, Justin Ellick? That's part of the stage act. He hangs himself. Well, you might as well hang yourself if you have anything to do with running the dysfunctional public school system of New York City. Let's start with David Banks, brother of the corrupt Phil Banks. It's all incestuous in the land of Eric Adams. Phil Banks is the deputy member of public safety, unindicted co-conspirator who should have been in jail. But hey, what the hell? Make him deputy mayor of public safety. His brother? Chancellor of the Department of Education with the uh, most bloated budget of all the agencies, $36 billion out of a budget total of $108 billion. That's one third of the budget. And David Banks uh, is the chancellor of what I call the dumbest organization ever, the DOE. And it proves it every day. So David Banks, if you look at his resume, you know what high school that he went to, Justin Ellick? Hillcrest High School, the very high school that they tried to cover up, actually cover up an anti-Semitic riot that occurred last Monday and Tuesday in the hallways uh, and the property of Hillcrest High School in Queens. Yeah, yeah, they tried to cover it up. Eric Adams, uh, he went to Bayside High School, even though he grew up in Southeast Queens. He got zoned out because the high schools in Southeast Queens, too tough. So you had August Martin, Baisley Pond Park, tough school. Springfield Gardens, tough school. Eric wasn't going to go there. And, of course, there was the school that produced James Golden, uh, <laughs> where he was Urkel. At Jackson High School. Those are tough schools. And Hillcrest in 2002 was the toughest school in New York City. So, Justin Alec, they asked me to come talk to the kids. 
to give them all an attitudinal readjustment. About 3,000, 3,200 kids, mostly black there, uh, kids of color. And so I showed up, it was like 11 o'clock in the morning, took the F train there to Parsons Boulevard, walked up the hill. On one side, you have Shri Shamoy's uh, cult, you know, peace, love, and happiness. That guy turned out to be a perv, like most of these self-appointed gurus. And then you have Hillcrest High School. Now, Hillcrest High School, it's had a lot of people graduate from it. Fran Dreischer in 75. Yeah, the nanny, the head of our union. That's right. Wrong way, Lou Rafino. Fran Dreischer. And everybody loves Ray. Ray Romano, also 1975. Oh, the other person who graduated from there, Justin Ellick. The Queens District Attorney, Melinda Katz. So you would figure like, wow, all these alumni are upset, especially the head of the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever, David Banks. But David Banks, when he heard there was an anti-Semitic riot in the high school that he went to, said, does anybody know? No, hush, hush, much, much, two days. So a uh, Jewish teacher, female, Decided to post on her private social networking that she had attended a support the Israel Day rally. Okay, no biggie. And immediately, a senior, an 18-year-old senior, began the cabal of swirling allegations against her amongst the kids. And they called for a riot right in the hallways of this school. Hallways of this school. And they're running up and down, and they're looking for this Jewish teacher, and she's barricaded herself into a room. When did we last see this? Oh, that's right, the students at Cooper Union. Right there on Astor Place, the Jewish students had to barricade themselves into the library because the uh, pro-Hamas Palestinian marauders with the kafiyas and the shmatas on their head, the green shmatas in support of Hamas, were telling them, open the door, open the door, because they wanted to give them a lump down, a beat down. And remember, Sid and I, we had a rally right outside on a Sunday in the driving rain. Well, this is even more egregious, because the students called for a student riot an anti-Semitic riot for two days, last Monday and Tuesday. And the only reason we found out about it is, once again, the newspaper of record, the New York Post, printed a story about it on Thursday. The mayor was missing in action because all City Hall was trying to do was suppress this story because they, they have no idea what the hell they're going to do. Meantime, this uh, Jewish teacher is in hiding. Can I ask a question, uh, Justin Alec, uh, or more? Okay, see, is James flipping there, or has he continued his conversation about sports? Of course. Hey, sports is more important than this show, uh, which is a live and local show that a hell of a lot of people listen to. Uh, would you take this notation, uh, the James Flippin, who has decided that sports is more important than current events, needs to call up the head of the teachers' union, the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, Michael Mogru, in his mansion in Staten Island and saying, what the hell are you doing for this teacher? Most of the retired teachers and active teachers of the UFT happen to be Jewish. You would think that amongst the membership, the dues-paying membership, they'd be screaming, we need to have a walkout in that school. They're going to attack a teacher? They're going to have an anti-Semitic rally. They're going to threaten her life. 
Where the hell is the union? Where's the shop steward? Of course, Michael Mogul doesn't want to weigh into this because it requires having a set. He doesn't have a set. All he wants to do is wine, dine, and pocket line elect, uh, elected officials. So that's number one. What is the mayor doing today now that it's become public? He's outraged that this is happening in that school. Really? You got an 18-year-old guy who is responsible for that. Uh, last time I looked wrong way, Lou Rufino, that is an adult. How come we don't know his name? Oh, he was given a ticket. Oh, oh, for, oh I see. Oh, no. A disappearance ticket. A disappearance ticket. He was arrested and given a disappearance ticket, which means nothing's ever going to happen here. Now, all of a sudden, the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever, says, oh, we've located three of those that started this cabal, and we're going to give them a superintendent suspension. You know what a superintendent suspension is? You transfer these three thugs to a different high school. Nobody knows what they did. The jacket is sealed. Even the principal doesn't know. The assistant principals, the dean, nobody is to know. And they'll probably get transferred to a better school in Hillcrest, one of the worst high schools in the city. I could easily see them being uh, assigned maybe to uh, Long Island City High School, Maybe they'll assign them to Martin Van Buren. Maybe they'll assign them to Cardoza, a much better school. And then, naturally, they'll infect the kids there, the young adults there. There will be no consequences. And today, now that the whole world knows, there was an anti-Semitic riot. And then Michael Mogu and the UFT are doing nothing. They didn't even call a walkout. Should have called a walkout. None of the teachers are going back. Until these students are disciplined. And there will be no discipline. You know what they have in the school systems now? It's called restorative justice. Eventually, David Banks, by the way, an alumni of Hillcrest, will say, let's do restorative justice. Let's get the thugs and thuggets in a room with the Jewish teacher, and they'll promise they'll never do it again. Meantime, they'll be mad-dogging that teacher, eye-fornicating her. They know where she lives. They know her cell number. They know her social networking. They've already been threatening her. There will be no actions taken. Justin Ellick, this is like a major situation, right? This is making world news. You think the mayor would be in the school doing an assembly since he's an African-American so-called mentor? He likes to mentor people who have problems to a predominantly African-American student body that was involved in this anti-Semitic riot? You think he'd get up on the stage? You think that David Banks would get up on the stage and would talk to the various classes and let them know? This is not only wrong, this won't be tolerated, and there will be a price to pay. I guarantee you he ain't doing that. Because, you know, we know what he's doing already. He's raising the flag of Albania down in Bowling Green. And the Albanians, very generous people, are giving him lots of cash and gifts. The corruption continues. Brazenly and boldly. And you wanted this guy as your mayor? Oh, yeah. You see, if we have a black mayor, uh, he'll talk to black, black young adults, and he'll be a good mentor to them. Really? Here's the perfect opportunity, Eric Adams and David Banks. You went to this school, David Banks. Are you afraid to get into that auditorium and speak? 
I tell you what, wrong way, Lou Rafino, I'll go. Just like the last time, 2002, when it was the rated the worst high school in the city, I show up at 11 o'clock, I take the F train, the principal said, you can't talk today. I said, why? Uh, we're in lockdown. Like Rikers Island, when they were in lockdown, there was a student riot going on then that had nothing at all to do with anti-Semitism or racism. Out now, thuggery, where they're beating up the safety officers, huh? Have they told that story? How many times in the hallways of Hillcrest, the safety officers get cold-cocked and beaten up by the students, and they get away with it? Chaos in the public school system. You wanted Eric Adams, right? <laughs> and his friend David Banks. $36 billion. And you know what we the taxpayers get? Ugats, bupkis. You know what the teachers get? Assaulted. The safety officers assaulted. And the students get to run free like thugs and thuggets. And no, there are no consequences for their actions. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Circa 1970, The Temptations Ball of Confusion. So, you know, everything that's happening now at Hillcrest High School has happened before, and we just never seem to learn from it, as the anti-Semitism rears its ugly head. You know who first uh, was involved in this? Uh, Justin Ellick, Al Slim, Shady Sharpton. You say, how is Sharpton involved in this? Well, back when I was going to high school, and Peter King always likes to say, as he repeats uh, every opportunity he gets, I went to Brooklyn Prep. I graduated from that high school. Curtis Lee got kicked out. And he's right. 1972, last year that the school was open, I was the student government president the Jesuits shine their boots on my backside. I got the boot, and I learned there are consequences for actions. It's helped me every single day of my life. I thank them for doing that. At the very same time, Al Slim Shady Sharpton was attending Tilden High School off of Kings Highway in East Flatbush, growing up in the Stone Avenue projects. In fact, at the same time as Willie Randolph, you know Willie Randolph, he's probably going to be the bench coach uh, for the new coach that nobody knows of the Mets. But anyway, Willie Randolph was going to Tilden High School and Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Eighty percent of the enrollment were liberal progressive socialist Jews that lived in East Flatbush. And they were all into the civil rights movement and 20% of the population that went to Tilden High School, which my own mother went to decades before that. We're black. And so the Jewish kids wanted to be able to show the world that they were open-minded to integration. So what did they do? Even though blacks were only 20% of the student population, the Jews were 80%, almost every one of them, liberal, progressive, or socialist. Yeah, hardcore socialist. They elected Al Slim Shady Sharpton student government president. 
Oh, I see you're wondering. Well, Gerald Nadler, although he didn't go there, he went to Stuyvesant, grew up in that neighborhood. That would have been his local public high school. And Gerald Nadler, where, will tell you he grew up in a socialist Jewish household. That's the way it was then. So he's elected student government president, and he goes to the Jewish principal, and he says, you know, with the death of Martin Luther King Jr., we really need to set up a scholarship for young African-American adults who come here, many of them from the same project that I come from, Stone Avenue projects in Brownsville, Never Ran, Never Will, Linden projects, that whole area there. The Jewish principal says, brilliant idea. Let me run this by the PTA. PTA was mostly uh, Jewish mothers, and they agreed also. They said, great idea. So what they were going to do is sell chance books. So everybody floods the neighborhood around Tilden High School going door-to-door selling chance books. I know I had to do that at St. Matthew's Elementary School in Crown Heights, the Joe's Fight Nuns. All the kids had to go out and be brown noses. The more chance books you sold, uh, the more of a brown nose you were, and they would overlook any of your indiscretions. You know, typical. You sell more, they overlook your indiscretions. So I think the kid's name was Shlomo. I'm not really totally sure. But the parents and Shlomo went door-to-door and outsold all the other Jewish kids and won what was supposed to be the grand prize that if you sold the most chance books. You know what that was, Justin Ellick? At that time, remember, it's like 72, 73. 13-inch RCA color TV with a Victrola, you know, with the console. The Victrola is where you pl- you played your uh, your records all combined. Hey, that was big at the time. So the family wins, they have an assembly, a tribute to Martin Luther King Jr., uh, to the growing number of black students who are coming in and being embraced by the Jewish students. They're singing Kumbaya, and Shlomo's parents load the uh, TV, the console, and the Victrola into the back of their station wagon, and they go. They had a house right near Linden Boulevard near Brookdale Hospital. They schlep it up the second floor, right? They put it in the living room. They open the box, and guess what? Bricks were inside the console. This is the oldest bait-and-switch trick in the world. Bricks, instead of all the tubes. So the damn TV did not function. So the parents go back to the principal and they say, Hey, you know, we want a TV. Look, there's no TV here. It's gutted out. So the principal goes, There's got to be a problem. Let me call in the student government president. Uh, out some shady sharp then, and he comes in, he goes, oh, we got a problem. The first prize, uh, part of the, uh, uh, the three major prizes that were given up, but this was the grand prize for selling the most raffle tickets, was the 13-inch RCA color TV in the console with the Victrola, and this is like, uh, it's not functioning. So Aslam Shady Sharpton, without missing a beat, turns to the Jewish uh, principal and to the two parents and say, well, you know, I bought it from this Jew on Pickin Avenue. You're going to have to talk to him. I don't know anything about TVs. And so all of a sudden, it's like you're blaming it on a Jew. You didn't buy that from any Jew. You did it. That's the biggest urban trick that's ever existed. You pocketed the money. And, you know, nobody accused him of that. But he stood up and he says, oh, are you accusing me of being a thief? No justice, no peace was said for the very first time. The students marched out into the streets. They had a demonstration. 
We're being called thieves and all lives by these Jews in Tilden High School. The next day, there was a riot. You know who came down? Left City Hall. John Jellybelly Lindsay was the mayor. He came down and he sat with the principal. He sat with the uh, UFT, uh, uh, the um, uh, person representing the school. And he sat with Al Slim Shady Sharpton. And ultimately, John Lindsay, because he always said that these were not riots. You know, no, these are not riots. These are just disturbances. He said, I tell you what, principal, uh, we'll have discretionary funds. We'll buy a brand new TV Victrola, and you can give it to the family that won the grand prize. This way, we we we, we avoid a problem. The first time Al Slim Shady Charlton tried his technology and it worked. No justice, no peace. And he shook down the mayor of the city of New York at the time, John Lindsay. Did you ever hear that story? Of course you didn't. But there are a lot of people listening right now who have heard that story before, who actually went to Tilden High School and said, yeah, man, he got, he got over like a fat rat. And he certainly did. And that leads us to what's happening now in Hillcrest High School. This also occurred in the late 60s. And it backfired on a guy who was the head of the UFT, not like Michael Mogu. By the way, is uh, is our news guy back yet, uh, James Flipping? Can we get him on the microphone? I realize he's in an intense discussion about sports, but I would certainly love to have a conversation with you. I hope I didn't interrupt your discussion about sports, James Flipping, uh, because, you know, this is... This says the Curtis Sliwa alive in uh, a Rip and Reed show that really makes headlines. The only sports I was discussing is the way that you run circles around Mayor Eric Adams. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> nice recovery. <laughs> now, if I was Sid Rosenberg, you would win. Uh, what can we? Uh, what can you read? A Marconi Award for that? Yeah, one. yeah. All right, you stroked me. You got me on that. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. Okay. Because, remember, this uh, anti-Semitic riot in the hallways of Hillcrest High School occurred last Monday and Tuesday, two days in a row. His member can't come back to school. She's in hiding at her home, the Jewish female teacher. Um, he hasn't said anything. They didn't have a walkout today of teachers there. The UFT, both with their retired membership, which is sizable, and their active membership is predominantly Jews. And boy, they are political heavyweights. In the last mayoral election, they uh, were backing, um, oh, Scott Stringer, the Mameluke, until all of a sudden got a little too touchy and feely with one of his aides, and he crashed and burned. They came up with a pack for him. Could you please call Michael Mogul, uh, the office of the chancellor of the UFT Union of Failed Teachers, and say, hey, Mike, how come you're so quiet? Are you hiding in your mansion in Staten Island? This is one of your teachers. Are you afraid to take on the thugs and thugettes? Isn't the number one job of the UFT chairman to protect your teachers? Where's the shop steward in Hillcrest? That's his or her job. You haven't heard anything, have you? Please, don't say it. No, please, I can't say anything. Oh, no, I'll be called a racist. Oh, slowly I turn step by step. This takes me back to 1968. Before there was Michael Mulgrew. Before there was uh, Randy Weingarten, there was a man named Albert Schenker. Let me tell you a little story about Albert Schenker, James Flippin, because you probably weren't even born yet. Albert Schenker grew up 
in the 40s, 50s, and he was a hardcore socialist. He thought that FDR was uh, too conservative. A hardcore socialist. He was out there. He graduated Stuyvesant High School, Brainiacs. Uh, he picketed segregated movie theaters and restaurants on behalf of African-Americans with the Young People's Socialist League. And he was chairman of the Socialist Study Group, right? I mean, we're talking, he'd be with AOC now, right? All out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The squad. And then for his union, he served two jail sentences for leading illegal teacher strikes in the 60s. That's when there was no Taylor law. This guy, I mean, union, live or die. So all of a sudden, uh, the Ford Foundation, which was the biggest philanthropy in the world at that time, they got most of their money from the Ford Motor Company. Uh, let's just say they were the George Soros of their time. They decided, hey, there are too many white Jewish teachers in the public school system of New York, especially in inner city areas. Let's take this community known as Ocean Hill Brownsville, where I lived for a while on Osborne and Hegeman, and let's uh, fund the effort to kick all the white Jewish teachers out and replace them with African-Americans. And the primary language we're going to teach them is Swahili, not English. English will be a secondary language. We're going to teach these kids culturally Swahili. Sound like a working plan? No, this is the Ford Foundation at the time, the biggest philanthropy in the world. And it had the support of John Lindsay, the Jelly Belly mayor at the time, and the liberals and progressives said that this is great. And Albert Shanker said, no, 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 no. We, we can't let them kick white Jewish teachers out of the school. They called him a racist. Here's a guy who picketed segregated movie theaters and restaurants, was a member of the Young People's Socialist League, chairman of the Socialist Study Club, made his bona fide in representing liberal and progressive and civil rights causes. But the moment he stood up for white Jewish teachers, the majority of his union, they called him a racist. And now you know why Michael Mulgrew won't say anything. Because James Flippin, as a white man, what is he most afraid of? Being called a racist. When he was teaching in aviation high school, right, uh, right in the shadow of the number seven train at Woodside. God forbid he told a black kid, you can't do that. He would have been called a racist. And Michael Mulgrew understood, if I got to climb the ranks, I got to mind my beeswax, as you would say. Mind my own business. But now is the chairman of the most influential union in the city with more Jewish members than any other union, both uh, retired and active. And he's like, quiet. Let's get him to come out of his mansion in Staten. Hey, I know you're listening, UFT members. Michael Mulgrew, come out and play. Your Jewish teachers are being attacked, Michael Mulgrew. What's the job of a chairman of the UFT? To defend and protect your teachers. You have abandoned ship. This is the Riffin' Read, featuring Curtis Lewa. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. From the river to the sea, Palestine. 
Well, well, somewhere in the city today, there'll be an AM shift and then there'll be a PM shift. And there will be young people mostly with kafiyas on. Look at the new tags. You can see, like, brand new purchase. Palestinian flags. I never saw so many Palestinian flags. I don't know where they're buying them from or getting them from. And then many of them will actually wear the green shmata on their head, which is in support of Hamas. That's their colors, like gang colors. Yeah, 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 we're Hamas. Jews for Hamas, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians, thugs for Hamas, thuggets for Hamas. And every day, they basically take over the city. Now, why is that happening? Because that was common in the summer of 2020 of George Floyd, when Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, and his lapdog police commissioner, Dermot Shea, what a waste he was. Basically, wave the white flag. The number two guy, remember he was in Washington Square Park. I forget what his name was. He actually took a knee. Uh, the mob told him, Black Lives Matter, take a knee! Take a knee! And they all, all the cops took knees. And that was it. It was over. It was like Robert E. Lee giving up his sword to General Grant at Appomattox. And it was over. It was over. Black Lives Matter and Antifa could do whatever they wanted, go wherever they wanted to go. Never mind, it was in the middle of a lockdown and pandemic, and everybody had to abide by, you know, social distancing and masks, or Cuomo would lock you up, or de Blasio would lock you up. But not them. They were untouchables. Now you have new untouchables, courtesy of Eric Adams, who's folded like a cheap camera, and his out-of-town police commissioner, Eddie Caban. He's never in town. Remember, I spoke on these airwaves. You remember, Justin Ellick, because you were shocked that I was giving uh, the cops a high five on November 2nd. It was a Saturday. There was one of the first demonstrations of the Palestinians uh, in what I call Little Ramallah for the Christians, Little Palestine for the Muslims on Fifth Avenue in Bay Ridge. Lots of Arabs. They've been there before World War One. Oldest Arabic community in our area. And there were about 5,000, and they just marched up and down Fifth Avenue, and they stopped at 72nd and 5th, and it was getting dark. And they told the cops we're going over to 3rd Avenue, and the cops said, no, you ain't. The cops from the 68th Precinct, uh, High Five in Bay Ridge, from Brooklyn North and South, they said, no, you're not going over there. You know why, Justin Ellick? Because a Saturday night, it was warm. And outside of the salty dog, the kettle black, the wicked monk, and three jolly pigeons, a lot of Irish guys who weren't going to take too kindly to this group that was burning American flags and Israeli flags. So the cops formed a horseshoe, stopped them, did not permit them to go to 3rd Avenue, and prevented what would have been the mother of all riots. For that, these cops got read the riot act by Eric Adams and his out-of-town police commissioner, Eddie Caban, because all of a sudden they were getting complaints from legal aid and the New York Civil Liberties Union. You violated. You just signed the court decree. You said the cops will never put their hands on demonstrators again. You, you Eric Adams, you gave money to Black Lives Matter and you gave them to Antifa, which he did. And you promised, promised, promised to the court that you would never let the cops make arrests and interfere with protests again. And then what have we had ever since? Anarchy. They went over the Brooklyn Bridge. They blocked the Manhattan Bridge just yesterday. Almost no arrests. They desecrated the New York Public Library on Fifth Avenue. 
a shameful act of vandalism. They were not stopped by the cops. They blocked uh, every street, every artery, wherever they want to go. They get to do whatever they want, when they want. They violate every rule. There are almost never any arrests. And basically, the cops, who used to be Superman and Superwoman in our town, were in the blue. It's like Superman exposed to kryptonite. And that kryptonite has come in the form of the people you thought was Mr. Law and Order. Eric Adams, a house mouse. I told you he always hated cops, but you didn't listen to me when I ran against him. And out of town, Eddie Caban. And now you're saying, gee whiz, Curtis was right. More cops will resign. More cops will leave. Less people will want to join the NYPD. And then anarchy will prevail. 